Um, I love that you guys are here. I honestly didn't know how many of you guys were going to be crazy enough to come with me at 11 p.m. Christmas Eve. And I know there's probably a lot of parents in here thinking, I've still got so much to do when I get home. Should have planned ahead. But it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I love that you guys were here. And I love, I love Christmas. I love that we get to come and celebrate the, the most amazing gift ever and his birthday uh, coming up here in just like 50 minutes. I think it's true for this year, though. I mean, the past couple years, what a couple years it's been, right? What a couple years when we look at everything that's not just happened um, in this church over the past couple years. There have been some highs, some lows. I love the direction we're going now, but it's been a roller coaster ride. But outside of these walls, even in the world, I feel like we could all use some Christmas. We could all use the, the joy and the, the hope and the peace and the love that it brings. And we have the candles in front of us, the Advent candles that represent those, hope, peace, joy, and love. And as I pray this morning, uh, Lindsay's going to light the middle candle, which represents Jesus. So would you, uh, would you pray with me? And as soon as uh, we're done, Lindsay will light the candle as we just get to welcome in Jesus this Christmas Eve. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your son. I thank you that we get to celebrate the birth of the most amazing gift you ever could have sent us. I pray that tonight we have a great time of reflection, a great time of looking forward, and just um, an inspiring time of looking what you've done through us throughout history and what you're going to do through us in the future, all because of what you did on Christmas. So God, we thank you, we love you, and everybody said, amen. Now, the Christmas story is full of, of wonder and miracles and, and very, very real life, right? The story of Jesus coming is the most amazing thing out there. That's why it's called the greatest story ever told. We, we see God intersecting, bringing Jesus into the lives of very real people in very real moments of pain and agony and disdain and, and people that are wondering when he's coming. And he brings us those things, love, joy, peace, hope. And he does it in an amazing, real way. And we're going to go through real quick, we're going to revisit the four things of Advent. The first one was hope. We talked about finding hope in our uncertainties. Uncertainties surround us, but, but the promise of Christ is what gives us the hope to carry on through all these uncertainties. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and hope really is the breath that keeps you alive, right? Hope is, is that, that fuel of faith, the, the dreams and the possibilities, the things that keep you going. It's that, it's that spark of fire that lights up the cold. It's that, it's that flicker of first light on a new morning. You know the sun's coming because you you, we hope and we know, we expect it, we see that light. In the worst sufferings and atrocities and, and catastrophes in human history, there have always been a flicker of hope. There have been someone, there's always something that got people through, that, had, that people had their eyes set on. This is the hope that we have to get us through all these things. Even Greek mythology with Pandora's box, the one that didn't get out was hope. People cling on to hope. The smallest sparks of hope can fan freedom and turn into a huge flame that will give this amazing release for people. And throughout the history of the Jewish people, there was the hope of God's covenant. Of course, over time, that turned into people saying, oh God, how long? How long? How long do we have to wait for this hope? How long do we have to wait for your son? How long, God? We know you promised it, but man, there is no time like today. And they said that for many, many years. But they still had that hope. We talked about how there were those two people on this week when we talked about hope that kept this hope alive. We talked about Anna and Simeon. These were people that God promised, you will see the Messiah. 
In your lifetime, you will see him. And we find Simeon in the temple one day. And I love that in this story, he keeps going to the temple because he knew, God promised me I'm going to see the Messiah. I'm going to see it. And he continually looked and he waited. And the Bible says by the time Jesus showed up in the temple as a small boy, Simeon knew exactly who it was. And he ran over and he picked up Jesus and he said, this is, he thanks God so much. He said, this is the This is the Messiah. This is the one you promised me. I can go die now because, God, you kept your promise. Simeon was a beacon of hope. And Anna was the same thing. She knew who he was, and she got to tell people, this is the Messiah. This is the one I hoped for. This is the one God promised, and she got to see him. They embraced this moment. They they were fuel for hope, fuel in rejoicing and worshiping and spreading the news. Their flames of hope spread far beyond the temple because they got to be the ones who said, even when he was a boy, we saw him. He's here and he's coming. What an incredible message of hope these two people got to share. How is the flame of your hope today? If you were to say, this is where I am, the, the kind of years that we've had, the, the ups and downs, the, the, the masks, the vaccines, the rules, the changing, the jobs, where is your hope at today when you give yourself just a gauge on what you're facing? I want to encourage you that no matter what you're facing, no matter where you're at, we get to rediscover Christmas this year with the hope that they had because not only were they hoping Jesus came, we knew he came. We know he came, and we have the hope that he's coming back. I love that we have this hope. This was the arrival, Emmanuel, God with us. He came to restore hope, the hope of salvation, the hope of restoration, the hope of healing, the hope of his continued work that one day he's to complete in us, in our bodies, in our souls, where we get to be with him in heaven. As we come to to humbly worship Jesus, find the renewal of hope this year. Find the renewal of hope, not just now, but bring it into 2022 and say, God, we have hope that you're doing good things. Hope that what you started on Christmas was not just a Christmas story, it's the forever story. It doesn't end after we open presents tomorrow. It continues on the next day. Second was we talked about peace, specifically finding peace in our struggles. Struggles are real, right? We all have struggles. But I love that the peace of God transcends all of our struggles, transcends so far beyond anything that can ever come against us, even in our darkest days. The announcement The announcement of the birth of Jesus came in the darkest of night. No one's around except for shepherds. But I love what the angels say first, right? They come and they see the shepherds, and what's the first thing they say? Don't be afraid. Because I guarantee you the shepherds were not feeling peace when that angel first appeared in all of its glory. They were not finding peace in that moment. They were terrified. But they were human. Human, we, We have fear. We deal with fear. There's so much today that that happens that we struggle to understand that causes fear. But for the shepherds in this moment, this fear included these magnificent, terrifying, heavenly beings showing up in the middle of the sky when they were not expecting anything. It was just another night out on the, the grass, right? And the angels appear. For us, normal pressures and disappointments, uncertainties of frailty in a broken world, the unknown is so fearful for us. And that was true even without the rolling of a global pandemic. All that did for a lot of people, a lot of us even, was magnify and enhance fears that we deal with. But in Jesus, the Prince of Peace arrived on earth. The one who could say, people, you're you're enslaved. The Romans are after you. I know you want to overthrow the government, but Jesus comes as a Prince of Peace. And the angels proclaimed this peace in Luke chapter 2. They say this, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Man, the favor of God is here with us. The favor of God is here. The peace, shalom, with the Jewish people, this concept of fullness, safety, completeness, wholeness, this is available to each and every one of us. The birth of Jesus ushered in a restoration of peace with God, a peace that settles in our soul. It's the calm acceptance that says, no matter what's going on around you, you get to look around and say, it is well with my soul. I can find peace in this moment because I know God is large and he is in charge. In a sense, it's like being in the, the center of the eye of a storm. You know, in a hurricane, they say the center of the hurricane is where it's calm. I like to think Jerusalem and, and Israel, this, the land was in this hurricane of horrible times. And on this night, this, this night in Bethlehem was like the eye of the storm. And Jesus came right there. Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My prayer for us is that we get to understand and rediscover this hope of the, and not just the hope, but the peace that Jesus brings. We get to look at our problems and say, I can see those storms around me. I can see them, but in this moment, I'm okay because the peace of God, Jesus is right here with me and he brought this peace. In the midst of the crazy, find a moment to be still, take a silent night and just find his peace. On the third week of Advent, we talked about joy. Man, joy sometimes can be a, a hard time when you've had one of those days, one of those weeks, one of those months, one of those years, where you just have a hard time finding that joy, right? King David wrote in Psalms, Psalm 30, verse 5, Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Sometimes that night can feel long. That, that night can feel so long, and sometimes it's night after night, day after day as you try to carry on, and that happiness or that joy feels so elusive and distant, and it's so hard to get back to. But I love that when we find the joy of Christ, that the joy that Jesus brought, it's like that geyser, it's old faithful. Nothing can contain old faithful. It just erupts for the world to see. Or sometimes if maybe you're like that, that slow person, the, the, the slow burner, well, you have it, but it, you, don't, you don't go crazy for the world to see, but, but it comes out anyways. We, I, we showed some videos of Yellowstone and the mud pots that they have where the mud's going, but the bubbling is happening because it still can't be contained. I love that joy can pour out of us like an eruption. Sometimes it can bubble up slowly, but as we rediscover Christmas, the good news of joy is that it's alive in us and it sustains us all the time. Jesus is the strength that sustains us. We saw this in the stories of uh, Elizabeth and Mary. I love that when, when Elizabeth found out she was, was going to have a baby, um, for her, the joy for her erased decades of shame. It erased decades of, of people wondering, why can't you have a baby? Something's wrong with you. It, 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 was, it was a culture shock to not be able to have a child. People could say, this was a sin. You had done something wrong or there was, you were just something was wrong. And it was, it was a humiliating thing. So for her to find out at such a young age that she was going to have a baby, that was joy and a leaving of all of the years she'd had prior, wondering what was going on. For Mary, her joy, this got to erase all the fear she may have of people not understanding her situation. She faced ridicule because she wasn't married. Joseph even said he was going to divorce her because back then being engaged was the equivalent of our standards of being married. And he said he was going to divorce her because she said she was pregnant with the son of God. 
That's a hard thing to believe. But then Mary, Joseph, an angel talks to Joseph, and Joseph understands this is what God's plan is. Mary goes to see Elizabeth, and I love that when Elizabeth talks to her, when Mary says, this is going to be the son of God, this is Jesus, the baby inside Elizabeth's womb, six months old, leapt for joy at the name of Jesus. I can imagine the joy Mary got to feel as well, knowing I'm accepted, I'm loved, this is right, this is all good. She found freedom with the joy of Jesus. For some of us, Christmas can be a season filled with songs and celebrations and traditions and comforts. And for others, expectations of Christmas joy can serve as deep reminders of pain, deep reminders of the hurt. Maybe Christmas, I know I was on Facebook, social media, and sometimes it's not the greatest place to go. But I know some people uh, were posting things like, I hate Christmas parties. I hate Christmas time this. I hate Christmas time that. And it wasn't just one post. It was a lot of other people. And I was thinking, man, sometimes this season can bring a reminder of a deep pain or, or, or a deep hurt or disappointment when you, when you think, I should be happy right now. I should be finding on the joy in this. But sometimes you just aren't. Maybe for some of you, Christmas is a mix of both. You do have the joy. You do have the, Jesus brought joy and I have this joy. But man, this in life hurts right now and it's hard to focus on that joy. My hope is that this Christmas we all rediscover this joy. We return our focus to Jesus. We rely on him to be our strength. We pour our hearts out to him in the midst of our pain. He can transform our most sorrowful, hurtful weeping into the greatest cry of joy in the world because of what he does for us. We can appreciate and enjoy his greater work in us and what he's going to do through us. 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9 says this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. My prayer for us is that, that even though we may not be able to see him physically now, We believe in him, and we're filled with that inexpressible joy. It's that geyser. It's that bubble that we can't contain, that we get to share to the world because of who Jesus is and what he started on Christmas night. The fourth week was love, finding love in our differences. Now, this this was a heavy one for me when when I was talking about it because there's so much in the world that drives people apart these days. There's so much today that that you can look at as divisive. I mean, I just said one of them now is on social media. I don't know if I've ever seen a bigger tool that can drive people apart than social media. Sometimes you can just grab popcorn and read the comments and watch the war happen, right? There's so much that drives us apart. But I love that the love of Jesus runs so much deeper than our differences. It's a flood of grace. It's a flood of forgiveness. And his love is a flood of unity. People long so deeply to be loved. People love love stories. That's why Hallmark makes a killing this time of the year. People love the love stories. They, they love that when it all gets buttoned up with that bow at the end and everyone lived happily ever after, right? People love the love story. Themes of love run strong through our culture. People celebrate it. We mourn its loss. At Christmas, like I said, there's the genre of holiday romance. Not just Hallmark, but now Netflix is getting in on the action. Hulu has a holiday section, and it's all crazy, cheesy, love stories that we watch all the time. I love that you can read the description of this story and you know how the whole thing plays out, but we watch it because we love to see the love story unfold. Although culture has the antithesis to that sometimes. We can be in a culture or a nation in a world filled with division and conflict and hatred. Despite our best intentions, our broken human nature can divide us. 
Our human nature can cause division. Our human nature can cause us to speak out against people. But Jesus, on the other hand, he is the love that bridges all of that together. He is the long-promised Messiah, sent because God loved us so much that he said, I can't handle this division. I can't handle this separation. I'm going to send my son to be the sacrifice for all of your shortcomings. And when he did, Jesus made a way to be restored because he was love personified. He was love itself. When we talk about love, we see how how God gathered, simply by the birth of Jesus, a various group of people. We had the shepherds that were the outcasts. We had Joseph and Mary, just the common people. And then later we have the, the wise men come, the Gentiles come. So here we have, we have Gentiles and, and Jews and the poor and the outcasts all coming together before Jesus even said a word. Just by being born, he was tearing down the walls of division. He was saying, my love is not just for you. My love is for the people that you don't even know. The people across over past Asia that you may not even ever want to talk to, they're coming to see me because of my love. It is a uniting love. As we rediscover Christmas, my prayer is that we, just, we all rediscover personally that love of Christ. The perfect love that allows us to, to feel the acceptance of Jesus. But not just that allows us to feel the acceptance of Jesus, but then we get to pour that out and show others that we get to accept them as well. It's not a love that's, that's self-containing. It's a love that goes out. Jesus shows us love, and we in turn get to show that love to others. I pray that as we talk about love and as we think about this love of God, it propels us to break down barriers. It propels us to cross divisions. It propels us to say, you know what? I'm not going to build up something to guard me from, from someone that's hurting. I'm going to build a bridge, and I'm going to find peace, joy, hope, and love with that person because that's what Jesus did for me. Paul the Apostle wrote this in Ephesians three seventeen. He said, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to measure of all of the fullness of God. What a love. This is our God. This is our Jesus. And this is what the angels sang about in that moment when Jesus was born. This is love. This is hope, peace, and joy. And this is for us. And finally... After the four weeks of Advent, we have the center candle. We have Jesus. And we, after we found love, joy, peace, and hope in our world, now we get to find Christ. We get to actually celebrate the birth that he is here. He's come with all these things to us forever. Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 7 says, This is his arrival into our world. Okay, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Such, such a, a humble birth, such an understated beginning to what's going to be the greatest story ever, right? Such a normal entry. Human birth is fragile, a helpless baby. Jesus came as one of us, able to understand everything we're going through. All of our longings, all of our struggles, all of our pain, he got to experience this with us. But yet he's God. He is hope, he is peace, he is joy, he is love personified. He is here to restore all these characteristics in us as a byproduct of what he has poured out into us in our relationship with God. Jesus is life rediscovered. We've been talking about Christmas rediscovered, but Jesus really is rediscovering life. If you're struggling this year, I know we've all asked this question at one point, 
where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Um, I, I've talked to people, business owners, that, that say, man, my business is struggling. Where is Jesus right now? People in marriages saying, where is Jesus in my marriage? People that are struggling with their kids saying, I just, I just pray to Jesus for my kids, and I don't know where he is because I'm struggling with my kids. Someone here may be asking right now even, where is Jesus? Let me tell you where Jesus is. Jesus is in our uncertainties. He's in our struggles. He's in our discouragements and our differences. Jesus is in our celebration, and he's in our mourning. Jesus is in our crying, and he's in our rejoicing. Jesus is in our fear, and he's in our triumphs. Jesus is in our losses, and he's in our victories. Jesus is in our brokenness, and our healing. Jesus is in our sickness, and he's in our health. Jesus is in our life, and our death, or as I like to say, our transition from life to life. Jesus is in all these things. Wherever you are today, wherever you were yesterday, wherever you'll be tomorrow, know that Jesus is there. He is already there. He is working. He's moving. He's offering life. He's, he's offering forgiveness. He is calling us to trust, to see beyond what we see, to try and see things the way he sees it to see him working in all these moments, to see deeper, to see bigger, to see broader, to see wider, to see the bigger picture, to see him at work. Jesus is in our world. He's in our lives. He is Emmanuel. He's God with us, and he's here forever, and that is the most encouraging thing I hope you can take away from tonight, knowing that what started over 2,000 years ago with the birth of a baby in a dirty manger, the story continues, and he is still here today. I don't know who, uh, who may need to, to hear this right now tonight, but know that you're the reason for the season. Often we, we talk about, and it's very true, we say Jesus is the reason for the season, but know this, if it wasn't for you, Jesus wouldn't have come. You are the reason that he came. We are the reason God sent his son for us. We get to know that we are here. We get to celebrate this Christmas. We're a part of this story, and it is an incredible love story. Know that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You can look at the person next to you and say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves them, but I love that when we take this, this is such a personal love. Jesus loves you. This Christmas, let's run like the shepherds to encounter Jesus. Let's, let's know that the angels are singing, heaven is celebrating, Jesus is here, and we get to run and celebrate and be with him. And it doesn't just stop at Christmas. We get to keep doing it every single day. Run to Jesus. Have a Merry Christmas. Christ has come. He's among us, and he's going to come again. Something we get to do as a Christ follower is partake in something called communion. And I invite all of you now to take the, the cups that are on your chairs. Now, this is something we get to do to remember the sacrifice Jesus made for, for you, for me, uh, for the whole world. And, um, and, and honestly, I, I have to fight back emotions whenever I talk about communion because of just how much I know this means for me, the, the symbolism of what we're going to go through right now. Jesus knew that his time was coming and his time was approaching where his arrest was ultimately going to lead to his, his beating and his crucifixion and then his resurrection. He had a final meal with his disciples that he called to celebrate the Passover, what we now refer to as the Last Supper. And while he was there, he took some bread and wine and passed it out. And this is what he said to them in Luke chapter 22. He said, 
After taking the, t- the cup, he gave thanks. He said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant, my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, bread can be very ordinary, right? You find it almost in every home. It's very common. Sandwiches, tortillas, just bread is very, very common. But I love what Jesus did with bread. He took something that was so ordinary and turned it into something so extraordinary. You see, what he did is he made a sacrament over it. And a sacrament is something very special that takes you to a special place. Um, It it can be an object at home that that you take and you say, hey, this may look like something ordinary to somebody else, but when I touch this, I emotionally, I I, I go somewhere with this piece. This takes me somewhere. And Jesus did this with the bread. He took an ordinary piece of bread and he said, this is my body given for you. Take it, eat it in remembrance of me. He took something ordinary and said, every time you touch this bread now, this is no longer just ordinary bread. This is me. This is what I've done for you. This is my body given for you. Jesus gave us his tortured, bloody, beaten up body as a criminal so that we could be free from the death of the penalty of sin that he was paying for us. I want to invite you to take off the top layer and take out the bread tonight. And when we take this bread together, let's, let's remember that, yes, Christmas, where we get to celebrate his birth, but let's remember what he was born for. He was born for this moment. He was born for the moment where his body was going to be broken for us. God, I thank you for for your body. God, I thank you for what you did on that cross. I thank you that you bore the pain that we didn't have to bear. God, that you took the punishment that was meant for us. And I pray that as we, we eat this together tonight, we always remember, God, we never forget how much your love meant, what your love looked like when you were up on that cross. We thank you, we love you. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to eat the bread. After the bread, Jesus continued with his disciples. He said, in the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. When Jesus speaks of a covenant, he's speaking of a promise, something much deeper than a promise between God and man, a relationship between God and man. God created man. Man, we promise to obey, but we fall short with our sin. Our sin interrupts that relationship with God, and God said, I'm not going to let that be what stops us. And it would take the shedding of a blood to restore that relationship. And so over time, what God did is he had this plan where he sent Jesus to us. Jesus shed his blood. Jesus was the perfect lamb, the ultimate sacrifice. And he said, your blood is not just getting covered by sin. My blood is going to wash away your sin. When we take this juice, we get to remember Jesus shed the perfect blood. He paid the perfect price, the price only he could pay to wash away our sins forever. And I love that that forever is not, it's, it doesn't mean temporary. It's forever. This is the perfect sacrifice for, for us. And when we drink this, we get to remember that sacrifice, that blood, that blood sustains life. And Jesus shed his for us. I want to invite you to open this. I'll pray before we drink it. God, I thank you for your blood. I thank you for the perfect sacrifice that you shed for us, God. We celebrate your, your birth tomorrow, and your birth was so you could shed this blood for us. God, I pray that as, as we go through life, we know that we, we've fallen. I know that we'll continue to mess up in times, God, but your blood was a perfect sacrifice that pays for all of our sin, and I thank you that we get to remember that, God, and we get to celebrate your perfect sacrifice for us. 
Jesus, we thank you. We love you. And everybody said.